to live righteously. It is time for another episode of the Cultural Hall. As the music would tell you, it is an Articles of News episode, and maybe in the back four far corners of your mind, the reaches unreachable, in, in, uh, at least in my mind, you've thought, where is Annette? Where is the Luthi lion? Where has she been? She's been back from Finland for, nay, months, and we haven't oh. really heard from her altogether that much while she's here with us today. Welcome, Annette. How are you? I am well. Thank you very much. You know, I we was you, sick last week, I said, but I'm well now. We And I made the uh, unfortunate and very misogynistic joke of laryngitis and how a husband might appreciate it. Uh, it's not that funny, but it is a joke that I go to. It's the same. It, but I guess turnabout, and this actually leads to where I want to where I want to go with it. If you're offensive to all, does that make it less offensive? That's a good question. Because well, so cause that reminds me of, of okay, quick story time. Okay. So my favorite professor, um, in my BYU days, um, was Doctor Oaks. In fact, his name was Dallin D. Oaks. Okay. Son, son of the apostle. Son of and, an Oaks. Yes, he is. He was one of the most hilarious disheveled but most excellent teachers like i literally like like he, i he would come to class like his hair's in a mess and he's like oh i forgot my notes and he'd run back to his office but then he would pick up exactly where he left off my notes for an outline form brilliant teacher but he was also hilarious cracking jokes all the time and um he was teaching about the english language this and that and often he would give examples because he's a linguist he would give examples um oftentimes it's easy to give examples that are connected to things like restrooms mm-hmm. by toilet humor because that, sure. that that changes through time and it's an easy way for for people to understand and he came to class one day and he said it's come to my attention that some students are offended because of, of my potty humor um uh well so here's the thing goes there was a time i used to tell dumb blonde jokes and i had students coming to me said Dr. Oaks, I'm blonde. I'm offended. So I told Polak jokes. And then a student came to me and said, I have Polish ancestry. I'm offended. And so I've decided to start telling cannibal jokes. So I figure until someone comes to me and says, Dr. Oaks, I'm a cannibal. <laughs> I figure I'm in the clear. Uh, so he told cannibal jokes and it was uh, delightful. Huh. Hmm. Anyway, like hmm. I passed a friend in the woods. Yeah. He was a clown. So that was uh, one of those kind of jokes. This is the kind of stuff you can only get in the cold draw, everybody. You know, Dr. Oh, Oaks, I, I know love that man. Looking around, you're thinking, you know what? Am I going to get a good dose of cannibal humor somewhere today? Yes, you will from the cultural hall. That's you what know it. we're here for. Had an interesting conversation with my wife yesterday. She's like, well, I mean, so well, like, what's the, uh, what's the focus? What are you doing here? We have this conversation on the regular, as you can imagine, being espoused to me. And, uh, and I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, we just kind of do where the, where the wind takes me. And she says, well, you know, that that's difficult for someone to be like, oh, this is a thing that I like listening to. Like, unless they feel the same way that you do or the wind carries them where it carries you. And I said, yeah, I know that that's that's part of why, you know, there have been other podcasts that have come about and have larger numbers because they seem to be more in focus and more in tune and, you know, a little bit more niche. But we, we kind of talked about some of those things as to, okay, well, what really is the cultural hall then? Is it, is it just my journey through the church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints? Maybe. Kinda, but it's also a place I think where we can talk about anything and everything about the church. I'm Amen. not sure if that's the great definition for it as well. I, I think I, we we do feel a niche that other you know shows 
we're the only real show on podcast where I'm thank the you podcast, very much the podcast um i think that we are different a hundred a hundred percent but i didn't you know. know like but when i put it into words i mean we're not the only news show there are a couple that exist uh, i i would say we're by far the most um humorous in the news space I think others try to be sort of a little bit more, you know, straightforward or don't take a humorous bent on things. But then some people, as we mentioned at the very top of this episode, some people go, how could you joke around about? And that one particular thing they can't joke around about, but other things that you couldn't joke around about, they could. It's a it's mm-hmm. a very tricky wire uh, with the cultural hall, which actually leads me to this review. We don't often get them, even though I ask for them and we deserve them, uh, reviews of the show on Apple Podcasts, but we got one the other day. Says as follows, this is from Kimmer. Three stars, by the way, from Kimmer. She says, ugh, <laughs> why do we have to look for ways to be offended? It makes me crazy. I wish Richie would not have given the complainer any sound time, and then I wish he would have held his ground. Tell her not to listen if she doesn't want someone to be asked if they're being mothered when they visit home, like laundry being done or meals cooked, etc. Whatever. What a waste of an offense. And why the pandering? Which oh, so, so if you listen to this episode, this is a news episode I did. You'll find a link to it in the show notes. A couple episodes ago where mm-hmm. uh, talking... Well, I guess to to go all the way back, uh, talking about uh, with Mr. Mayor, he was going home. He was with his mom. And I asked, hey, is your mom, you know, is she mothering you while you're home? And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, when when a, when a, when a kid flies the coop and then they come back, you know, you sort of return to those original roles. So if you were the headstrong whatever, now you're the headstrong back in your, you know, childhood oh, home. Yeah. Or, you know, if, you're, if your mom did your laundry for you, then she does your laundry for you now. Well... Uh, Chow, who is also a co-host of the cultural hall said, you know, and I took offense and mom's not a butler. You said that, you know, that he was being mothered and it could just as much be fathered. And I, 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 I contend that wasn't really what I was saying. I was sort of saying in a bigger picture, I wasn't assigning it a role or whatever. And uh, I think it's also a generational thing. You get boomer (laughs) parents versus, you know, younger parents. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we brought it up. I allowed her the opportunity to say, this is why I, that, that didn't strike me the way that I liked it. I feel like I said, okay, well, I appreciate you sharing that. I don't feel like I was like, you're right. I'm horrible. and took out my lashes and, you know, gave it to me because I don't feel like that's what I was saying. But I, you know, I think it's important to be aware about how our words are received by other people. And Kimmer hates it. Ugh, she says, ugh, with an H. Uh, I think it's worth showing other perspectives. That's kind of the point of what what you've put together here is different perspectives. Not that we have to agree, but that we can express them mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and respond to them. That's valid. And and you point out something that I would like to take umbrage with. You said me. uh, There are so many people that help out with the cultural hall yourself with all the stuff that you do on Instagram. And I'm not name. I'm not going to name around the circle, but there's so many people. that make it even just a pleasant experience that I want to be any part of it. You know, oh, I'd, I'd love to be able to see what's on Matthew's mind, who's do, who does the Twitter. That's interesting. I wonder what, what got him caught on that particular thing right now. And, you know, just to be able to visit and sort of follow people's lives as we get, you know, we have days that then turn to months that then turn to years and and to see what life is like. And sometimes it's really rewarding and 
You know, other times it's super heartbreaking, thinking, of course, of Brother Kyle and everything that he's going through. Still with us, he would let you know. Um, but it's not great. He's not doing well, as as was anticipated, but it doesn't make it any easier. And and so, um, yeah, a, a, a lot of thought in the last couple of weeks about, like, what is it we're doing here? What's the, what is the point? What what are we trying to accomplish here? So look for that to kind of evolve a little bit. Uh, what is new with you? What is new with me? Uh, well, so um, earlier in June, I got to go to uh, the Historical Novel Society Conference of North America in San Antonio this time. And okay. I, got to, I got to teach a class um, about, which is... You know, would surprise no one if you know about getting historical language right, but ah. not, but not too right. Uh. But there's there's a balance there. Um, but so the, a cool thing that happened though. So it, for one thing, it was San Antonio. So of course, yes, I went to go see the Alamo. You can't do go to San Antonio and not see the Alamo. Did they so show you I the did basement? do that? The basement of the Alamo. Yeah, two people will appreciate that. Move along. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just. It's for me. Uh, it's for okay. me and two people, and it's my favorite. All right. I, that's the one I did. But I'm glad so, to hear that you remembered the Alamo. Yes, I remembered the Alamo. So two funny little things that happened. So one was, so my dad, of course, he's the retired professor of linguistics, which is how I inherited my word nerdiness. And I mentioned it to him, and he um, he told me about a time he was in San Antonio for a conference, and he went to the Alamo as well. And so people in Utah, and you'll appreciate this, this is a, it's a very much inner mountain west way of saying things. Uh, we often, in fact, you've teased past hosts uh, for this pronunciation of there's a, there's a long A before an L, we mm -hmm. tend to make it an E. So it's a yard cell. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, the, you know, that kind of thing. It's we the do. Deal. I guess that's not the same thing, but that is a. But yeah, we do a lot of, theater. you know, like, like hail center theater starts sounding like hell center, yep. you know, that kind of thing. Um, so he, he's as a linguist, he was like, I just, I, I was pretty sure I'd only ever heard that in the Intermountain West. And here I was though at, at the Alamo and there's this little group of, of school children going on a tour, a little field trip and their teacher stops by the well and says, children, do you know what a well is? And, um, so a kid throws his hand up and he says, it's a big fish. <laughs> and he went, oh my goodness, either this child is from Utah Yep. Or that pronunciation has trickled somehow into Texas, but mm -hmm. I thought that was funny. But the other thing that was kind of cool, and this is this is one of those things where I like you never know a, a kind act can make someone's day, you know. Um, so some people may know who Chris Crow is. He is a professor at BYU. He is um a, an award-winning novelist. He wrote um oh I'm reading the title. It's, it's the novel about the Emmett Till um lynching. Oh yeah, uh, like uh, Mississippi, nineteen twenty-five. Something like that, Mississippi trial. Anyway, um, it's read across the country. Um, he's an amazing human being. I've heard him speak at um, the Storymakers Conference, and I learned why he wrote the book. It wasn't just some white dude trying to write a book about black people. He actually has one, if not two, adopted daughters who are black. Hmm. And he was watching, um, one of them was a volleyball athlete. And after one game, the, they lost, but it, everybody there was like, that ref sucked. Just horrible, horrible calls. And as they were leaving, she said, you know, sometimes it's hard not to know, was it just that the ref was a bad ref mm. or is it that he's racist? Mm. And mm. he 
and, and you know dr crow goes in that moment i realized i don't understand my daughter i had no idea that this is her regular life this mm. that's a valid question and so he started researching and the result was this book like he's such a cool guy anyway so i've been aware of him i've been a huge fan of his um when i was whitney awards president one of his books won i was thrilled about that but i had i was pretty sure he had no idea who i was um but especially you know, with married names and all that. But sure. he was at the conference in San Antonio as well. And at one point I was walking down the hall and it wasn't too busy at that point. And he was coming toward me and kind of waved at him and he goes, hi, Annette. And, and I was like, just drops. Yeah, and I was like, oh my gosh, Chris Crow just said hi. And then I'm like, I'm wearing a name tag. Like this is, <laughs> I'm like, this is like saying hi, Emily to your waitress. Like, like, duh. I'm like, okay, he doesn't really know who I am. But then later, um, I ended up sitting at the same table at a meal. Mm-hmm. And um, he looks at me and he says, did you know um, I took your father's linguistics class? <laughs> and I went, wow. oh, he does know who I am. Huh. And then he goes off about Finland stuff and my mom and then my sister. That he, I went, oh, yeah, she was in his ward. Again, married names. So I didn't know that he <laughs> would have connected my sister with the rest of the family either. But um I just thought, oh my gosh, Chris Crow does know who I am. And he took the time to talk to me and and really let me know that. That was it was kind of a cool moment. I had no idea. And it was, I don't know. It was cool. So be nice and you don't, you never know. You never know when we're gonna make someone's day like that. Kind of a in, cool moment. In the spirit of our conversation, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. Exactly. <laughs> big deal. Big deal. Uh, the, the other thing that I need to ask you, the historic novel is that what 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 was the conference? The historical novel society. What what I sort yeah. of think that that uh, is like, and I know that this is not it, but again, my mind goes here. What I hope that it's like is that the presenter in the front of the room takes out a book and opens it, and then and just dust. That's what I hope every session of the historical novel society is like. Not remotely. I, I found I... this book. I attended stuff about like surgery, anesthesia, and painkillers through the ages and cool stuff like that. And then actually one of the keynotes, actually two keynotes, interestingly enough, um, have have, um, Latter-day Saint connections. One was Jamie Ford, um, whose first book, um, Hotel on the Corner of Bitter and Sweet, won a Whitney Award back in the day. Um, He's fantastic. He, that's, that book is a World War II it deals with um you know Japanese American internment camps and that kind of thing. He's got um I'm forgetting because it deals with Japanese and Chinese and he and what his father's one or the other and I'm forgetting which now. But mm-hmm. um fabulous book. Um so he spoke and also Libby Grant um also spoke and she she um wrote a book. Oh, I'm forgetting. I'll have to look it up. But she um she wrote it was about Brigham Young and polygamy. It's a novel. Oh. Anyway, but yeah, it was so that was interesting too to have Two of the three keynotes, I believe, we have these latter distinct connections. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, one other, I guess, piece of business before we take a break and then get into actual articles of news. Um, we are going to start uh, repurposing old episodes of the Cultural Hall with now more than 700 episodes. Uh, there are several of you who have not heard some of the very early ones. Maybe you have if you've become a Patreon saint by going to patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall and started to pay a little money there. Encourage you to do that. It's a super easy way to get all of the archive episodes, but we're going to start bringing back on occasion those uh, episodes from our past and need someone who uh, who might like to help us with that. 
Mostly, uh, what you'll be doing is helping us decide which episodes deserve re-airing. And then the second part of that, if we need to jump into that episode and make sure that it won't get us canceled in the in the 21st century. That it holds up today. Yeah, that it holds up today. <laughs> I can't imagine that there's very much, but I have had an opportunity to listen to one or two old ones, and I just... Cringe I'm, a bit? Yeah. It, well, oh, oh, now that I know better, I do better, I guess yeah. is the only way that I can uh, think to explain that. And I think because there's so much time since w- from when we started, right sort of on the heels of... Um, Prop 8, for example, like Mm -hmm. everything LGBTQ in the last 12 years since we started doing this, not completely changed, but has drastically changed. You know, there's not anything in there uh, that that, um, you know, I think is like defamatory or anything like that. But I definitely think that there it is worth an extra set of ears to go. I have questions about this. If you would like to be that extra set of ears, contact at theculturalhall.com. And I hope you add numbers to the episodes that don't have numbers yet if you bring some of those back, because we have way more than 700 episodes because you weren't numbering articles of news back in the day. Fair point. Fair point. Uh, I think you should get credit. Well, I, I, you know, I think there's that. I think there's, I'm also going to move in the future of not doing numbers. Because I, I don't know. I don't know. Do you care? Do you care? I don't know that it's a matter of caring. I think sometimes it's a matter of helping people find it. Okay. Um, I, I know if, I, if I've been looking for an episode, sometimes I will Google it and use the episode number. Okay. Okay. So, Fair point. So maybe we need to do numbers. Dang it. I thought I had a thing that I changed. <laughs> now I'm not. Well, I, don't, I could be wrong. I'm not an know. SEO expert. I don't know. Yeah. Contact at theculturalhall.com. Let us know on all of those things. Send us the emails, won't you please? You've been, you've had it in your draft inbox. Just click send. Let me get it. It's always open. Let's take a break and come back and do actual articles of news. Best DJ in Utah.com. It's been a while since we've had a new one of these, and I apologize for that. It's because I've been so busy DJing events all over the country. Uh, but especially here in Utah, been able to do some great, uh, you know, weddings. I've done a, a prom or two for different listeners of the Cultural Hall. I love it when you uh, reach out to me at bestdjinutah.com, or uh, you can find the phone number online as well. I would love it if you say, hey, I heard about you on the Cultural Hall, because maybe, just maybe, I give a Cultural Hall discount. Uh, all sorts of events. It doesn't have to be a, a wedding. It could be a community event. Maybe it's a ward or youth activity. I'm doing one of those this summer. In fact, just lock the deal down on that. Uh, Whatever it may be, if you need music to accompany your event or you just need a great MC, I would love to be able to help you out. You're simply going to need to go to bestdjinutah.com. Hi, friends. Dan the Laptop Man here from PC Laptops. You can get a brand new PC Laptops desktop, and they start at only $29 a month, and it comes with a lifetime warranty. Just check us out at PCLaptops.com. That's PCLaptops.com. Hey, you guys wanted to talk to you about a new voice app on the Amazon Alexa. It's made by the church, that is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and it's geared for kids and grandkids aged 4 to 11. It's called the Friend Magazine Skill, and it allows your kids to play the Friend Magazine from an Amazon Alexa smart speaker. Now, here's what's cool about it. Each month, it's going to include new stories and new music from the Friend Magazine. It's, uh, you know, a thing that your kids, they know what it is. In fact, if you said, hey, kids, enable the Friend Magazine Skill, they've already done it before you even ask them. 
And the best part is it's free. It's built by the church. So there is no advertisements or any content that you need to worry about. And it's a fun, great way to help your kids learn about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's called the Friend Magazine Skill. Be sure to enable it on your Amazon Alexa smart speaker. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here in the second half of Articles of News, we do the actual Articles of News. Hit it, Peter. You can't lose Articles of News. And away we go. I thought this was interesting because I went, oh yeah, COVID's still a thing. Uh, Music and the spoken word this last Sunday not live, uh, a pre-recorded. Uh, the uh, the choir recently in Mexico. May- maybe COVID. I didn't look into this at all. Maybe COVID running rampant in the state of Mexico, states of Mexico, country of Mexico. Uh, but but uh, several members of the choir said, "Nope, can't do it." So they said, "Nope, we're not doing this music in the spoken word thing," and played a uh, an already taped version of music and the spoken word mm-hmm. uh from everything that i've read they will be back uh this sunday so sh- should be fine um other members uh, expressed that they had had gastrointestinal sickness uh while they were in mexico which just means they drank the water <laughs> In some of those places, I don't know if you've ever done that on a vacation where you go, oh, no, I'm, I, oh, my gut, it's, I'm tough, I'm good. And then you just get into a place where the standards aren't the same, which isn't any sort of shade on the country of Mexico, uh, et cetera. But it definitely can be a thing where if you, you do it one time and even just briefly and the rest of your vacation, you know where every restroom is at all times. So uh, I hope that so they be get feeling better. Um, yes, this is why a lot of people come off their missions from those areas if they get a parasite or something. Yeah, not cool. Uh, this also with the Tabernacle Choir, just because we're there, they've announced who will be joining them for their summer concert uh, series, the 14th and the 15th of July. Uh, it is going to be Adasa and Alex Melesio, maybe is how you say that, or Melesio. Not sure. Uh, Adassa performed the character of Dolores in Encanto, and Melissio mm-hmm. was a finalist on a TV reality show that showcased Latino performers. Uh, they recently made that um, announcement, and so in the theme of having been in Mexico recently, bringing on some Latin saints, I think is a, a huge move, and you can be able to get those tickets uh, while they last for free. You just go to the Tabernacle Choir's website. You do that whole thing where if you're not there at the exact moment, then you have to wait in line and you'll never get tickets. But maybe someone in your ward, if you know someone who knows someone who knows someone, you can get tickets to that. And it's also sometimes, interesting. Sometimes you can get to the overflow and you can walk, go to the overflow sometimes. And, and it's, it's broadcast there. Which is yeah, it's fun. always worth going down. Just to see. To see if you can, because mm-hmm. I mean, what what's worst case scenario? You spend a couple hours on Temple Square. I mean, I guess with everything being remodeled right now, but 
even the conference center and being able to wander down, or even non-religious being able to wander around downtown Salt Lake can be a great sort of religious experience because of so much having to do with the church down there. What, uh, where would you like to take us? What so story? Actually, I'm going back onto that because that reminded me of a post on Facebook. A friend of mine did. He's he's a writer, but also a member of the choir. He posted a picture, and I wasn't sure who it was, um, but it, it must have been that actress who's going to the singer who's going to be be at the concert because he said captioned it with "We didn't talk about Bruno." And so it was kind of fun. And so I'll actually see if I can get permission from him to maybe I can post that to our Instagram. Kind of fun. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I wanted to bring up that hasn't been mentioned yet, but I, as as a writer, I this is important to me. Anne Perry, beloved, beloved writer, um, Latter-day Saint, passed away in June. Um, or was it early, late, late March? I'm from getting now. Um, put put but, her in context with me. Who's Anne Perry? Yes, Anne Perry, um, she um, was English. She wrote a whole bunch of Victorian mystery novels. Okay. Um, she was internationally famous. Um, she had this huge career spanning like into the 80s and then into the 90s. And then in the mid-90s, um, someone started digging into her past and discovered um, that when she was a teenager, and this did happen, unfortunately, um, you know, she had some difficult things going on in her life. Not an excuse, but she was a 14-year-old kid um, who was desperate to stay with her best friend. And one family was moving or the other. I'm forgetting the whole story, but... Um, they concocted a plan to kill what the, the, her friend's mother, and they did. Um, okay. And so spoiler, she had, spoiler, uh, yeah. So she ended up. In, uh, she she served time, um, and once she was released from prison, she then found the missionaries, and she was baptized, and she lived a very faithful life. Um, uh, but what, there was a, a there's been a movie out that came out in the mid '90s, and since then people have like she's known largely as the the murderer who now writes murder stories. Um, but I, I've heard her give a couple of keynote addresses, um, and she is, the last one I heard her give, it was a Storymakers, which is an LDS-themed writers' conference. I mean, anyone can go, but it's run by the Latter-day State Writers Guild, basically. Um, and I, as she spoke, I was, it was like a fireside or, got, or a general conference talk for writers. It was, I could have wow. sat there all day. The spirit was so strong. Um I could just sat at her feet and just listened all day. And it was one of the few keynotes I have ever heard where she didn't talk about herself. Yeah. It was, it was amazing. It was talking about just uplifting each other and using our talents and, and the way God would want us to. And just, I mean, it was just absolutely amazing. So I've seen some people bashing her. Oh, she was just a murderer. And I'm like, you know, she was baptized after that. And the atonement is a thing. Um, but so the New York Times did, had a whole obit about her, but also the Latter-day Saint Center for, uh, or the Center for Latter-day Saint Arts also had an article. Um, so we'll link to both of those about, that covers all of that, but also her amazing legacy. And she was just a remarkable, remarkable woman. So, that is someone yeah. I know very little about. In fact, the entirety of what I know about her is from what you just told me, but I mean, pretty intriguing. To yeah, know she, that. she was an amazing, amazing woman. She really was. Uh, speaking of amazing women. Yes. Did you hear that? Nice. Segway? Segway man. Uh, the first Asian American to wear the Miss Utah crown. Uh, this Ooh. just happened. Miss Utah 2023. Uh, she is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Sarah Sun, maybe soon. Uh, it's S-U-N. And sometimes I get a little tripped up on the pronunciation. Uh, she said her secret desire during the competition was to share her Latter-day Saint faith on the stage with judges and thousands of others watching. She said she was praying for a chance to share her testimony 
she is a student at Cornell University, receiving a very secular and uh, diverse education. Oftentimes asked about the church, but she never hesitated to seize the moment to share her beliefs. She's an incredible individual, and Utah is lucky to be able to have her representing uh, the state of Utah. And the church is really lucky to be able to have uh, her representing, uh, you know, in a way, the the church on a national and even global scale. So pretty... um, pretty impressive. She since uh, transferred to BYU. That's how she's obviously able to be Miss Utah. She wants to bring music into the prisons, whether it's through classes, workshops, or performances to remind people of the shared humanity. That's something that has always been important to her. So uh, I won't go too much further than that because we're working on getting her as a guest here in the cultural hall. I think that'll be something that people will really enjoy. But Sarah Sun or Soon, congratulations and thanks for representing the church. Awesome. What have you? All right. So we've got this is a I apparently you said that you mentioned that there was a book that she was on that you, that you talked about on in the hall about Jesse J uh say James Jesse String from Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um he called himself King String. I think it's String. Mm-hmm. It looks like strange without the E at the end. Yep. Um member of the church eventually back in Joseph's time, kind of a weird dude. He like, he wanted to be Joseph's successor. He went off and created his own group in Michigan, um, was a con man. He claimed that Ohio didn't exist when people were trying to sell, um, buy land and whatnot. Um, very strange situation. He ended up serving in the Michigan, um, legislature at one point. Eventually he was, um, assassinated, um, he, he found what he claimed to have pl- found a set of plates called the Plates of Laban, um, among other things, that sanctioned polygamy and ordered string to undergo a coronation to be named King James I. I mean, so they, there was a group called the Strangites in yeah. northern Michigan. So there's this whole, and apparently a whole book about it, too. So I, that, that was news to me. So King James of Michigan, really yeah. wild connection to the, to us. The, uh, the book is called King of Confidence, and uh, we did an episode with the author Miles Harvey. It's episode 425, links in the show notes. Yeah, oh, uh, a fascinating individual. Uh, practiced polygamy. His wife didn't come with him when they were when he would go and travel and preach people p- places. He had his uh, uh, assistant who was one of his wives or one of his, you know, women, and she would dress like a man so that so that people wouldn't talk that he was with someone that wasn't his wife. It is a... Oh, wow. The article doesn't... Story. I need to write the book then because the article doesn't go into nearly that much detail. He talked about whipping women for disobeying and crap like that. But yeah. Yeah, yeah that's well, great. And here's the thing. You sort of think that like, uh, that, you know, it's just kind of this really super fringe uh, group, which it, it is. And there are, I think, actually still some Strangites that exist today. Um, hold on. I'm going to type this in and tell you the names of the people who of the family of Joseph Smith followed James Strang. Some of Joseph Smith's family followed James Strang, th- thinking that he was the next one instead of Brigham Young. Because remember, there's that all time the when, mm-hmm. yeah, all the splinter groups. Uh, I am pulling it up and the internet has not failed me. After String was killed in 1856, most of his family, Jordan Smith, uh, rallied. Uh, no, that's not what I was looking for. Anyway, some of um, Joseph's immediate family followed 
James Strang and said, yeah, he's the guy. It may have been Joseph's mom. It's someone super close to Joseph Smith who for a time said, he's our guy. And then went, oh, no, 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 no. This is, this is, this okay, is gonna, not the right I'm going to have to look that up because I can't see Lucy Mack doing that. But we'll look. We'll have to look at it. I'll have to read it. And report Episode back. 425. It's Miles Harvey. Find it, it in Miles the show. Miles Harvey. 425. I'm writing that down. Okay. Uh, I know I've listened. I mean, I'm I'm a lifer. I've listened to them all, but I don't. I'm not re- remembering that one offhand. I appreciate you doing that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. This, this I think is sort of interesting. Uh, this came out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this from the Temple Department. Family name cards not kept on file, but can be returned upon request. So, yes. dump, dumping in this a little bit. Do you know how to way? Uh, do you know how to explain this in a way that I don't have to read this article? Yes. Yeah, so the way they're trying to keep things pretty much online and just so people used to you used to bring your old cards, you turn them in at the, at the end of you know your session with to the worker, and then when you were done, they would and then it depended where each temple was a little different, but somewhere in the you know the family file office or somewhere like that, there would be a, a counter. You could then go pick up the card to bring home. Um, and then that card, you just use the same card from the baptism, the confirmation and carry it all the way through. So you can have all your cute little, you know, stamps and mm-hmm. whatever. Like a, pa- like a passport to Celestial Kingdom. Got it. Sort of. Yeah. But now they're really, <laughs> that, that, that's just, that's a lot of extra work. Uh-huh. Um, and it's all online anyway. And so at this point you turn it in and, and then you walk away and you, you don't, you, they, they, unless you actually want it, you have to go there and request to get the card back. Uh-huh. Um, but the, the goal right now is within an hour of getting home, you can go back onto family search and it'll say, oh, work's been recorded and here it is and it's done. And then if you need another card to, for the, your next, for the ceiling or whatever the next ordinance is, you can print that out. Um, it seems whatever. to me yeah. like, and you'll forgive my temple ignorance because it, it's been a minute since I've been, can go. I appreciate everybody's judgment. I'm able to go. I just have not. Uh, it seems to me that it would all be electronic. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, here's my card, scan. I've just done ordinance, scan. And and that it would be no need for paper at all. Except the what do you the paper is just there for scan, for this purpose of scanning that's mm. essentially um, and that except unless you're get well um, and also just so people can know what names you're dealing with so mm. you know for if you're in the baptistry it's like uh, for on behalf or for this person you know or whatever <laughs> and that kind of thing so um, so yeah so it's just there for the sake of the name and also for there's of the barcode to scan it so mm. it's. They're trying to simplify and make sure. it less work this way for everybody, honestly. So well, and imagine how many just because something didn't get filed or didn't get filed right or wasn't corresponded with another network or system, mm-hmm. how many times so and so was baptized or received their initiatories. I mean, we right. got to do the work for everybody. Or people hanging on to temples hanging on to cards just in case someone wants to come back and grab it, you know, and then someone never does, or you know, whatever. And oh, what interesting thing too, and I know this, you know, thanks to my husband working for Family Search. Um but if you, you might want to check if you have res- if you reserved names, uh, family names before or during the t- pandemic, mm-hmm. um, they usually expired within like one or two years. I'm forgetting exactly how long it was, but they put a hold on the expirations because obviously everything was closed down. Mm-hmm. So, um, but th- those now they're they've extended expiration, but they're starting to expire now. So if you've had some you thought were expired, they might not be. Um, but they're probably about to be. So go in and check and you can probably re-reserve them for another year or or whatever. So just go in and check that out. It's so much easier now than it used to be. So no excuses. That's yes. what that well, it's just, like it's, to me. Well, it used to be that, you know, even back in the day, like it was like something like 20 something steps to get a name to the temple. 
And now you just log in and family searches. Oh, by the way, here's one. Yeah. <laughs> you want to print it? Sure. You know, it's like we already we already great. sent the message to your printer. You'll you can go find it. We accessed your printer. It's printed. Yeah. Go get it. Yeah. So just uh, yeah, very easy. Uh, here's just a kind of a quick one uh, that I thought was interesting. Uh, in 2019, Elder Bednar of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles presented a $2 million donation on behalf of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to Michael Moore. No, not that Michael Moore. Okay. Then <laughs> I was going to ask. He was the CEO of the International African American Museum in Charleston, South Carolina. The donation helped to build within the museum a center for family history, which is supported by Family Search International. The center is a new resource for the study and advancement of American of African American genealogy. Uh, and it and it's open and it's huge and it's awesome. And the church gave two million dollars to be able to do that. So not only now is this museum just this pillar for the African American community, but also people are able to go and do genealogy, uh, genealogical research there and specifically for our, uh, you know, African-American brothers and sisters. Huge deal. That's I don't, really cool. I don't know that we, uh, I don't remember talking about that donation back in 2019, which isn't to say that we didn't, um, but I just didn't remember that. And I thought that was worth noting. That's Super cool. cool. Couple million bucks going to a great cause. Very cool. All what right. So, so also uh, Center for Latter-day Saint Arts, they have their summer reading guide out and it has a whole bunch of cool books. My book's in there too. Um, just throwing those really quick. So I'll have a link there. You can go and just see new books um, from Latter-day Saints. So it might be fun to read for the summertime. Um, another fun book that's out, uh, Dallin D. Oaks, who I mentioned at the top. Um, he has a new book out. Um, and this is the way. He, so we're friends on Facebook. He goes, I don't usually post things about my publications, but I will just mention here that I recently published a co-edited co book on LDS naming with the international publisher, da, da, da. Um, he goes, if you're interested, don't buy it, at least for a couple of years until the paperback comes out and the price is drastically lower. Because it's one of those academic things that's like sure. 200 bucks or something. Um, but the idea is it goes into Latter-day, because the book is called Perspectives on Latter-day Saint Names and Naming. Names, Identity, and Belief. And it's the just the, the abstract I read of it is fascinating. And it kind of makes me want, I'm like, I'm wondering how, how much is going to go into why we name weird things today like you know all the funky stuff that we see in the weird spellings guess we'll we'll find out but well connect part. me with dale and d oaks i'd love to visit with him we'll talk i will okay. with him we'll do That'd it be great i want to know why we name ashland's a c h u s c h y l y u n's why are those our ashland's so here's a funny thing so is the I like, okay, as a writer, I use inspiration from all over the place. And sure. so just one more, it's set in like a fictional version of the Wasatch Front. So I can like, I don't have to keep the map actually accurate or what businesses that are, you know, but it's inspired by locations that are here. Mm -hmm. So I have a scene near the end of the book at a pizza place. I call it Heaps, which is what Brick Oven used to be called in Provo. Okay. Uh -huh. um, and I have the waitress named Emily, but it's spelled E-M-M-A-L-E-I-G-H. Perfect. Just because I just was like inside wink at Utah people will go, oh yeah, I know where she lives. So I, <laughs> oh, anyway, I had to do it. It was yeah. great. Yeah, I appreciate stuff like that. Yeah, I will, I'll talk, I will talk to Dr. Oaks and see I, if. Oh, yeah. I got to call him Dr. Oaks. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this a big story, huge deal. 
significant and I contend coming to a Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints here in the States shortly. For years, British members have been pushing church leaders for more effective standards to prevent sexual abuse. On Saturday, July 1st, many of their requests will become church policy throughout the United Kingdom. This is a win for activism, said Douglas Stilgo, a UK Latter-day Saint who runs the Nemo the Mormon podcast, which I've never heard of before. That's a thing I'm going to click on and look up a little bit. This is a win for engaged members saying, no, something's not right and we need to change it. Chief among the changes is that all church members who work with children will need to undergo a background check, or as they call it in the UK, the Disclosure and Barring Service. And as we call it in the culture hall, what Richie's been calling for for years. Mm -hmm. A June 20th letter from the Europe North Area Presidency to male leaders in the area stated that the updated policies will introduce mandatory DBS, that's a disclosure and barring service, for anyone, anyone who will serve with the children, youth, or vulnerable adults, ensuring that individuals with a history of violent or abusive behavior are not allowed to work with vulnerable people. Uh, In the link that you'll find in the show notes, you'll find a link to the actual letter itself. Here's the deal. People that will push against this will say, you know what? It's not It's not going to fix everything. It's not going to make everything right. It's not going to, and on and on and on. But you know what it is? It is something and it will weed out some people who shouldn't be serving with youth, with children, and with vulnerable adults. If it protects a few, it's worth it. Yeah, remember? Absolutely. The 99, the one, come on. Yeah. So I thought that was a a, a big deal. I'm yes. looking at this Nemo the Mormon uh, kind of podcast thing. I, I don't know. It's a lot of stuff. A lot of people that uh, that follows it. But it it seems as though maybe this is uh, is not fully. Uh, you know, let's see. To join us as we then follow him uh, on a deeply personal journey to Yeah, I don't know. Doesn't seem. I can't tell if it's if it's pro or con church so it seems like maybe there's some questionable things there but you know if that's what helped to get those things in place in the uk worth it yep absolutely okay so so here's a quick one i haven't watched it but i think i i'm planning on it i've watched just just a couple of opening minutes but um um, brandon sanderson again going into the writer i think he's the fantasy writer writing i know i'm so sorry uh, sorry, not sorry. He had got an honorate, honorary doctorate degree of letters from U- Utah Valley University, and he, he was the keynote speaker at their commencement that took place on May 4th. Said so I, the, the very first part of his speech, and I again, I haven't listened to the whole thing. I was going to make a Star Wars joke because, you know, May 4th is, you know, mm-hmm. Star Wars Day, May the 4th be with you. But apparently earlier, um, someone else had already made that joke. So he goes, I was going to do that, but someone already beat me to it. So um, but anyway, so I will link to that and you can watch Brandon Sanderson's keynote. So kind of cool. And, and the uh, folks over at Slade said, it's a boring talk. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> wasn't that, wasn't that the, the publication that interviewed him and said, Slate, Slate. Was it Slate? Yeah, I don't know. But there was Slate and Esquire. And I forget which one was the good article and which one was the bad one. But did that anyway. whole thing and we're just like, nah, I don't know why we don't know why people think he's so great. He's boring. Yeah. Pretty boring. No, he he is. A, he really is a, a remarkably generous soul. So and he's so smart. So, yeah, he's worth listening to. Uh, BYU Pathway, an, an amazing uh, uh, arm of the church providing education um, to to folks all over the world. 
uh, at an affordable uh, rate. You know, people, whether they're returning to school or they're in um, various countries and just needing access to affordable education, it's uh, it, what kind of works in conjunction a little bit with the Perpetual Education Fund, which we don't hear very much about anymore. Um, it is now uh, in Ethiopia as well. It's uh, expanded to another African nation. There are more than 61,000 students uh, that are enrolled. More than half are enrolled in the Primary Pathway Connect program uh, with roughly 40% pursuing a certificate or online degree. It's incredible what the church is doing. Uh, in many ways, I think leading the way as far as what the future of education is going to be, especially as you see people get further and further disenchanted from you have to have a four-year bachelor's degree or you know the post the postgraduate work in a, in a master's and there are some uh, degrees some fields where those are the table stakes to do it but because you see the uh, student loans out of out of whack like they are uh, because tuition has increased so much in the next 10 years the face of education post high school will completely change and uh, and the yeah. and the church is on the forefront of it, doing just amazing, amazing things uh, with BYU Pathway. That's way, that's way cool. Uh, okay, so, let's see. So here's one that's um, church adjacent. I, I'm assuming that this is it's a scientific study from the University of Utah. So I'm assuming that at least one of the authors is is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter Day Saints. We're going to pretend it's called Space Dust as Earth's Sun Shield, and the idea was if they take dust from the moon. And we're blowed into an orbit around the Earth that could shield some of the rays from the sun and help fight global warming until we can find a better solution. There are hmm. a couple of scenarios they did and use computer modeling, physics kind of thing. And at this point, it's just theoretical. So they basically they said, um, you know, the study only explores the potential impact of the strategy rather than evaluate whether these scenarios are logically feasible. Hmm. We aren't experts in climate change or the rocket science needed to move mass from one place to another. We're just exploring different kinds of dust on a variety of orbits to see how effective this approach might be. We do not want to miss a game changer for such a critical problem. Um, and then our strategy could be an option for addressing climate change if what we need is more time. So it's kind of an interesting little idea of like, well, what if? And let's explore and come up with think outside the box. Yeah, the if they're outside the atmosphere. Change were a thing, Annette. Right. Yeah. I got so much <laughs> snow this winter. Global warming? I don't think so. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Not this last oh, winter. Don't get like me started. Snowing like never stops snowing. Global oh, gosh. warming. I swear, seriously, I want to go. People who say that, I was like, do you understand how the water cycle works? The water has to go somewhere, you idiots. Yep. Anyway, okay. She I said lovingly, idiots, lovingly. Lovingly, with all the love in my heart. That's contact at theculturalhall.com <laughs> and you can just put attention. <laughs> like, yeah, where was the Nat Luthi? Let's, yeah. uh, let's just get her back wherever she yeah, was. Let's, okay. Let's yeah. send, send her back to, to her. Antonio. Uh, this one I thought was kind of interesting, you know, uh, with just the other day, uh, the church publishing the final of the uh, Joseph Smith Papers project, the final print volume, that is. Uh, a couple things that are interesting. One is that there will continue to be updates uh, to the website because all of the papers project is available online. You don't have to spend the literal thousands of dollars if you got if you wanted to get those books. You can get everything that you would like uh, online. Um but they did an article, a listicle, as I like to call it, the folks over at LDS Living that shared, ready? <clears throat> 12 fascinating church history facts that are revealed through the Joseph Smith Papers Project. 
And I'll go over them quickly because I just thought some of them were interesting. Some of them, I think, are just nothing and they needed 12 because they said, hey, let's call this 12 and then had to fill it in. Or they found 11 and realized that's an awkward number. Yeah, yeah. People unrest with the number 11. Uh, Number one is that uh, Joseph and Emma Smith had 11 children, not 12. There was, for a long time, it was thought that they had 12 children. You can read more about that. The link in the show notes. Uh, Joseph Smith was involved in around 200 legal cases in his life. Significant, maybe, maybe not. Uh, The early saints, going back to the story you just shared, were into reducing, reusing, and recycling long before it was cool. And you can read why they say that's something that we learned from the... uh, from the Joseph Smith papers. This one probably most significant, especially for historians that we've had here in episodes of the Cultural Hall, publishing the previously unavailable Council of 50 Minutes ended speculation about what they contained. So for a long time, a lot of people think, oh, all the secrets of polygamy, because it was during the Council of 50 uh, there in Nauvoo that polygamy started to come out, allegedly. And uh, people were like, oh, it's shrouded in these secret things. So once they printed out Uh, the documents for people to be able to see no longer was there the speculation of, oh, hey, this was what was in there. Uh, Number five, the church's founding meeting was held in Fayette, not Manchester, New York. I thought that's significant. Uh, Historians acquired text for two revelations that they knew existed, but they had never read, which I thought was significant. Uh, An 1830 revelation dealing with the securing of the copyright of the Book of Mormon in Canada and an 1832 revelation titled Sample of Pure Language. So I thought that was kind of an interesting thing, too, that they knew about but had never read before. Uh, Number seven, Joseph Smith was generous almost to a fault. Uh, Number eight, the British saints donated even more than we thought to the Nauvoo temple construction. Again, all these things, things that we would not have known without the Joseph Smith Papers Project. Uh, The revelation canonized as Doctrine and Covenants 49 was received on May 7th, 1831, not in March. So significant date change. Uh, I thought this was interesting. Joseph Smith's expedition from Ohio to Missouri in 1834 wasn't originally called Zion's Camp. They didn't start calling it Zion's Camp until after the fact. It was called in the time that they did it, Camp of Israel. So I thought that was a significant uh, difference. Uh, Joseph Smith's aspirations in visiting President Martin Van Buren were likely more humble than many people think. And finally, and most importantly, and how I knew that they had a number that they were trying to hit and wanted to include this one, we are able to know what the carpet looked like in Joseph and Emma Smith's home in Kirtland. Thank you to the Joseph Smith Papers Project. Actually, I would love to actually have a a whole list of cool things along those lines, but that one doesn't fit the list. Yeah, Yeah, it could be its own list of cool architectural stuff. I mean, here's the thing. They've got uh, in this article from LDS Living, which you can find in the show notes, sort of a sample of it. It's pretty cool. A lot of fun colors. I don't That's, know why it's on a list with <laughs> all the other of the I wonder if it was thing. homemade. Because a lot of carpets back then were homemade. It like was for Venetian. Like, so it was Venetian. Pla- plaid Venetian. Interesting. Because when the Logan Temple was built, and I you know, again, I'm, I'm a historian nerd, so I looked the stuff up. But the Logan Temple, they um, actually, the Relief Society worked for months to make enough carpet for it. And they didn't have time. And then they were ordering as much from the factories back east as they could. And between, so some of it was factory made, some of it was homemade, 
but they had this whole way of setting it up and whatnot. And the sad thing is when they they completely like demolished the interior and then rebuilt it. So it's, it was like it's kind of like the Temple Knackle in Provo where they it just the exterior remained um, murals and the original carpet was lost. So now they have a, a little swatch on the wall to show what it was like. But mm. it's kind of sad. Anyway, same. cool stuff. Not the same. Not uh, the same. How many more do you have? Uh, just uh, two. Okay. One really quick one here is just we have a second edition for each my gospel. Um, since I have not really studied the first one, I'm not sure what is new about it precisely. Um, uh, except it sounds like they're the focus, of course, is you know helping people to come to Christ and all that. And so the the final kind of summary, um, President Oaks taught in the final meeting. This was uh, introduced to um in uh, outgoing mission presidents. Um, but also there was a video th- about it that President Nelson did for the whole membership. We can see. But President Oak said in the final meeting of the seminar on June 25th, um, he said, everything in the gospel, quote, begins and ends with our understanding of the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I guess that's trying to make that sort of the more at the, the forefront the focus, I guess. Um, I do say, like, so my daughter just got back from her mission and that in her, she just had her give a report on Sunday. And um, one thing that really touched me about that was that for her, and I don't, and I, I'd have to look at the new edition to see what it is. But for her, the first, she said that the first lesson was about, that it was basically God loves you. Mm-hmm. And she said for her, that's what the mission was about. Everything stems and goes back to the restoration happened because God loves you. Mm-hmm. We do this because God loves you. We have the Book of Mormon because God loves you. And so for her, a successful mission wasn't so much how many baptisms, how many converts, how many lessons, how many copies of the Book of Mormon did I get out? It was how many people, how was I able to make someone feel God's love and to draw closer to Christ? So that, that's how she measured the, her, the success of her mission, which I think is, that's the success of a life in some ways. How, you know, do we, how can we help people, other people feel God's love? Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, far awesome. cry, it's a far cry from how, when I served my mission, where it was, most people believe in a supreme being, even yeah. though we may call him by different <laughs> names. We and, know this person yeah. to be God. And then it was, then you talked about Jesus and then you talked about the apostasy and then you talked about Joseph Smith and then you talked about uh, the reorganization of the church and then you asked them to be baptized all in the span of 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then and then our Preach My Gospel was this missionary guide, which I don't know how often that thing, that thing got updated, but the best part of that was, and I've got to think that those cassette tapes have been digitized and put up onto YouTube, but it's like, and this will seem extreme and it's extreme for humorous purposes, but it would be, you would listen to this tape and you were supposed to have a discussion with your companion about it. And so um, it would be like the Ramirez family is thinking about joining the church um, and elder, you know, Smith uh, has invited them to be baptized. Should he? And then the, the, uh, the examples are like, should he, A, follow the Spirit and encourage them to lead a better life by following the example of Jesus Christ, B, kill them and then take care of them in the afterlife, <laughs> or C, burn their house down and run out before they realize what's going on? Like the the examples were so, so, so very obvious, and the discussion was so very like, I don't I. I the words just fail me to describe how exactly this was and, and gone are those oh, days and goodness. I miss them. Yes. I miss them. Why did you miss them? Yeah, That's, I, you know, well, and I can see that can lead to people thinking that we're, again, violent people. Let's not yeah. do that. 
But yeah. also, I love the I like the fact that yes, missionaries report the work they're doing, but the focus on numbers isn't quite as intense, mm-hmm. which I really, really appreciate because every mission is different as far as I mean, you go to like, for example, I have a nephew who served in Argentina and his wife served in Russia. And so he talks about, oh, yeah, this one month we only had four baptisms. So you just stare at him and be like, wait, what now? Yeah. Like, because like very completely different experiences. And like, I remember one time shortly after um, we returned from Finland, after my parents presided, um, there was a 70 who came and apparently he had been like high up in the military back in the day. And he would just roast missionaries for not having more baptisms and numbers. Mm-hmm. And and apparently he was known for his wife would come and speak first and apologize for what <laughs> her husband was about to say. And so we had missionaries who would come back that we knew and they would come visit us and tell us these horrible things this man was saying, just totally just tearing the missionaries down. Yeah. And you should see like smoke coming out of my mom's ears. Like these are like my children kind of like, how dare they? And that was one of the first times I'm like, oh. It's okay to say that maybe a, a, our church leaders aren't 100% perfect because this guy's out of line. Yeah. Um, but I'm but missing yeah, the yeah. point. Missing the yeah. point. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's like for him as a military general or whatever he was, that that's how you got stuff done. But numbers isn't where we change lives and hearts. It's yep. just not. Uh, worth noting that the Preach My Gospel available now in your Gospel Library app. It's available in English, French, Portuguese, and Spanish. And if you like the print editions to do some notes in the... Uh, do that too. And all that, not available till the end of the year. I think it's available in English, wow. but in those other languages, not available yet. Uh, and then you had, uh, well, let me do yeah. this one. Uh, this, this sort of made the cycle through again. Uh, David Archuleta, we know, uh, has stepped away from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, his mother, Lupe Bartholomew, uh, has also decided to uh, step away from the church and to join him. And... Um, I mean, this has been uh, everywhere. You see in the picture that's associated with the article that uh, we'll share in the show notes that she is wearing a Mama Dragons um, shirt. That's an organization that s- supports LGBTQ plus folks. Uh, I think within within the church, we had them mm-hmm. back in the cultural hall a long time ago um, to find out what they were about. Maybe it's worth having them back in to see if their mission and everything has changed, but an amazing um, uh, organization to be supportive of LGBTQ stuff. Uh, but but also, I thought it was significant that this story made its way uh, through the news again. It's, it is significant to many that that uh, she left the church, and, and when she first did it, certainly a lot of people picked it up, said, hey, you know what, she left, and he left, and all that stuff, but but it has yet taken another cycle with the news. And I just, I, um, I, I uh, shared on our uh, Facebook page and I would be curious to know what people thought about this as well. And I genuinely have no um, solidified opinion on this now presently, but it is a question that came to my mind is, could she fully support him? And we can remove the Archuletas because it's not specific to specific to them. Um, but could she fully support him and have stayed as a member, uh, as a consistent member of the faith? Or is there something lacking if she if she did? Meaning, is that almost all support, or is it she's supporting an organization that he feels uh, hurts him? And so, you know, gets 
sort of conflated with her with the organization, even though maybe she doesn't feel that way. Does she, in fact, have to leave the church in order to fully support her son? I don't know that I have a right or a wrong answer, but I would be curious. Contact theculturaal.com or you can find that post on Facebook and be able to weigh in. It's a, it's a curious thought for me. So, yeah, I, my best friend actually is going through some of that herself. And at this point, she and her husband are, are still strong in the church and serving and all that. But it is a challenge um, where she's got a couple of kids in that category and, you know, various rainbow categories. And um, it's, it's hard, obviously, because she wants her kids to know, I love you. I support you. Um, I guess I will tend to a gay wedding. I will, you know, all that stuff, sure, but sure. it's the same time I have a testimony and I'm going to stay true to this. Um, I have a feeling that, that, that change is coming. I don't know what it will look like, sure. but like, so, so yeah, I think I mentioned, so the other thing I was going to bring up was related with Charlie birds coming forward. Those who don't know, he was, you know, he's, the, he's like the famous former, um, Cosmo Cougar who did the big dancing and all of that. Who has been openly gay for some time? Um, he's written books for for Desert Book and whatnot, but recently came forward saying that he is now engaged to um, to a gentleman, and um, and then he actually he's the one who contacted Desert Book and said, "Hey, this is going to put you in a tough situation. How about you pull my books?" Mm-hmm. So that was his call, which I thought was very kind of cool on his part. It, it but, shows it shows a significant amount of integrity, saying. For sure. You know what? I could I could continue to try and make the money by the sales of the book in your place, but you know maybe we don't align on this, and so I'm going to ask you to do this. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, mad respect. So I, I would highly recommend going to. He had a video on Instagram that I recommend watching. It's about 20 minutes long, but it's I think it's actually the part two that was the the more more powerful one that really stuck out to me because um he's he's handling this whole thing very differently from how. David Archuleta and many others have, he's not stepping away. He's planning sure. on still going to church, mm-hmm. um, understanding that he won't be able to have a calling, that he won't be able to go to the temple anymore. Um, but until he gets married, he says, I'm temple worthy Yep. It, until he marries this guy, which tells me he hasn't thrown the baby out with the bathwater, which I've seen, you know, it's, it's, it's I, and I totally understand why some people are like, if I can't be in, I guess I'm out. And being out means all of these other things. But he's not drinking. He's not sleeping with his his, his fiance. He's not, you know, if he's maintaining those covenants and he says it's heartbreaking to think he can't be in the temple anymore after that. Um, but he shares some very tender things that he has learned in the temple. And I keep thinking that, that there's got to be there's more to it that we don't know yep. um, as far as eternal truths. I don't know what that will look like. I don't think a lot. I mean, like there's certain things I think that just from. It won't change. I, I I do think that, but I think there's got to be a way to include these brothers and sisters that we haven't found yet. Yeah. There just has to be. So uh, one thing I loved is that he actually said that his fiance comes to church with him all the time, but he's like, he's chronically late. So he goes, <laughs> I say, save a seat for him, you know, on a row in the cultural hall. And so he, he says, you know, I just hope that whatever ward we end up in, they'll be, they'll, they'll save me a seat. And I thought, Hey, Hey, we do that. We, <laughs> we save do that every time. We'll save you a seat, Charlie. We'll save you a seat. So I just have mad respect for him because he is, you know, if this is, you know, he, he, I mean, he really broke down actually. And was, it was very emotional to watch and to say that, you know, this is something that he feels like this is, you know, if I can share my life with this person, it will help me even spiritually. I will grow and be happy and not, you know, the, the risk of suicide we see among gay, gay young adults is so incredibly high. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I, I don't I don't know what the answers are, but I just didn't think the fact that he's trying to navigate it, he's not walking away. Um, even though hope I mean a lot of members will probably push him away and have judged him. And I hope he finds a ward that is welcoming and loving. I don't yeah, I don't know. I ha I don't have the answers, but props to Charlie Bird for for trying to stay in in such a hard situation. His second book, which he actually narrated here in my studio. Uh I've gotta I wanna make sure I can lead people. Uh, to the proper title of it. There's Without the Mask. That's not the one I'm talking about. It is Expanding the Borders of Zion. Look at that. My name's even on here. That's cool. Uh, it is um, so good. It is anecdotal uh, stories. That he shares different principles of, of his life and... Uh, heartbreaking when I had the opportunity to talk with him between, you know, reading various chapters and just to ask him, Hey, you mentioned this in that chapter. Let me ask a little bit more about that. Uh, mm -hmm. He's an amazing individual. So yeah, again, and, and here's the thing that's hard is the hardliners that say, well, he shouldn't have done that. Then we miss out on everything. All of the great things that Charlie bird is at the point that we go, Nope, you don't have a, you don't have a star on your belly. This is the this is the Starbelly Sneeches right here. Yeah. Well, it's one of my my other daughter who served a mission in um, Alabama said that it just one thing that just kind of broke her heart and opened her mind a little bit, realizing we need to I don't she didn't know what the answer is either, but something's missing here. She said one of the best member missionaries they had was a gay man living with a man mm -hmm. who he would introduce the gospel to so many people. He was sharing things. He I mean, it was like he was on fire. But he did, couldn't. He didn't go to church because he knew that he wasn't welcome there. Hmm. And she just was like, "This is so sad because he has a testimony, but he's also gay. Like, and he's he's trying so hard to spread the love of the gospel and, and that truth, and yet he can't do so within the, the you know church unless he's alone. And you know, it, yeah. Ah, yeah, I it, it mm, it's awful. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe civil marriages down the road." would be okay i i can't imagine ceilings actually happening but but you don't know i don't know i, I, could, don't know. I couldn't I have know. imagined two hour church and yet here we are yeah exactly well yeah, and another element too is not exactly so very so got, but i appreciate I, that. i have one friend who recently walked away um not because she herself is lgbtq but because of those issues mm -hmm. um and it was interesting because when she's described you know I, I highly doubt she would listen to this but hi if you are i think you'll know who i'm talking if it's if it's you um she's talked about like essentially she said that she was praying about these because it didn't feel right that we're treating people this way and mm -hmm. this and that and so she prayed and said was well, this is this from you god is this from you and the answer was no and so she's like all right i guess i'm walking out and i was like whoa, whoa whoa like if someone had prayed in 1978 saying Heavenly Father, is it right that black people don't have the priesthood? And the answer is no. The, then the next step is not to leave the church. You know what I mean? Like, just have God say, it's not okay that we're treating our, our gay brothers and sisters. It's, it's not equivalent to walk, completely walking away. And But that she was making that correlation. Yeah. yeah. And so I, 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 yeah. Anyway. <sighs> hard. Yeah. Yeah. And who knows? Like you say, who knows? And that's the hard part for a lot of uh, individuals is who does know and when and how. And when you see the suffering of people, I think that it is a natural thing to go, wait, why do they have to suffer? Why is this thing hard 
for them? Why, why does it have to be this way when that causes pain? And, you know, we don't have the answers for that. And I want to go through some. Yeah, oh, I'm saying just hopefully the. We'll, I mean, I, it, what it takes, it don't. Maybe it will take probably years of answering questions or asking the questions. But we need our leaders to be asking those questions. And again, it might take 20, 30 years, like it did for the priesthood. But uh, they have they have to answer the questions before we get church wide revelation. So, yeah. but yeah. let's pray for that, guys. That they'll ask those questions. Uh, put on your calendar October twenty second, twenty twenty three, uh, because there. Uh, there will be a short pre-recorded message focusing on Jesus Christ that will be released. Its message should be shown at the beginning of a locally planned and hosted testimony meeting for the youth. Youth and leaders are then encouraged to gather at 7 p.m. local times on Sunday, October 22nd to view the message and then share testimonies with one another. And if you share your experiences online, use the hashtag all things through Christ. That's significant. And uh, put that on your calendar. Youth, I believe that's uh, 11 to 18 youth. It might be young single adults, but I don't think so. I think it's youth, 11 to 18, October 22nd, 2023. If they tell you there's not a fireside, they're lying. Uh, this, if you if you if you like the murder things, the murder shows, that's me. There is uh, on American Monster on ID. That's Investigation Discovery, the network. Emmett Corrigan who was gunned down by his mistress, uh, by his mistress's, mistress's husband, rather, not long after his fifth child was born. Mormon connection. Uh, raised in a big Mormon family, Ashley Harmon grows up wanting the same kind of lifestyle. She marries her college boyfriend, Emmett Corrigan, raises five kids while he opens his own law firm, but dirty secrets will soon trigger a deadly showdown. It's a real story, uh, and you can find that on American Monster on Investigation Discovery. This is from about 12 years ago. It's not another of these stories that we've heard so much about recently. Uh, and then finally this, let me get to the headline. Family history can improve psychological well-being of young adults, says a BYU study. Participating in family history research, research reduces students' anxiety by 20% and increases self-esteem by 8%. So wow. is it just for the old people that don't have anything better to do? No. No. Reduce your anxiety and also increase your self-esteem. Find yourself to the Family cool. Research Center at your stake, your neighborhood, or your local community today. We made it. We did it. I hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body. We hope that if you are sick or afflicted, that you'll be able to listen next week. And that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, Chris at Alpine Lakes Travel, Rick McGee, Debbie Wanless, and Chocolate Cake Bites Podcast. We'll be saving a seat for you. On the back row? Of, of the, the cultural. cultural Hall. Save me a seat. It's sure to be neat. On the back row.